0: On KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me today is Aaron Brackle from SEAC, the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me
0: on, Jordan. No, definitely. It's always interesting to get hear about the sort of the conservation aspect of things because I understand that you want to talk to me about the Hecla Greens Creek. And now, for those who may not be aware, which going into the interview was mostly me, having not been in Juneau for a while, that is the mine over on Admiralty Island, correct? yes okay so um, what did you want to open to talk to me about in relation to that
1: well um the uh the mine is is seeking a a, a major expansion of the capacity of their uh tailing storage area which would give them uh decades of ad- additional operating time and um oh, they uh the the Forest Service was due to, um, release a draft supplemental environmental impact statement, I believe today, um, that people could take a look at what, uh, the, uh, environmental impacts are projected to be. Um, and we, we have some significant concerns. I, the, uh, um, my understanding is that that, uh, release has been delayed until a little bit later this month um but we we definitely have real concerns about um uh contamination uh at the uh in the hawk inlet area and uh with regard to um the uh fugitive dust from from the the tailings pile that currently exists and and how that needs to be addressed going forward
0: okay. And allow me more on that dust. You said what kind of dust was it again? I, I, I'm just basing on the word now.
1: Sure. So fugitive dust just refers to dust that escapes um, the the site, um, and uh, it's uh, there's significant concerns about contaminants in the fugitive dust about metals and particularly lead uh, blowing off of the uh, um, the site. Uh, into the national Forest and the monument areas.
0: Okay, and so what are what are some of the potential consequences if that fugitive dust were to get into those areas? Like, what are some of the damages that that could have?
1: Well, um, recently, uh, the next creek south of the, next, the drainage, immediately south of the um, uh, tailings pile, was listed as an impaired water body because of contamination. Um, that is understood to be lead uh, blowing off of the Taylor's pond. Okay. So, so, significant concerns about the impacts to the marine environment. And uh, Friends of Amelthy Island uh, has has done a a, a bunch of work, um, taking a look at uh, contaminants in the marine environment that appear to be related to uh, the mining operations in Hawk you know, in contaminants to Hawk Inlet.
0: Okay. And so I guess another question I would have then is how long has there been that that cause for concern with relation to that fugitive dust? Obviously, I'm sure the mine has been there for a number of years now. I understand it's also one of the largest employers for the area. And so to know that there is that sort of list of concerns makes me wonder how long have those been considered concerns or are those more of a recent thing?
1: Um, that's a great question. So, SEAC and, and uh, others have been expressing concerns about contaminants from uh, Greens Creek since, uh, well, for quite a long time, actually. It, it, uh, there, there are uh, at, at least since the 2010 environmental impact statement, uh, when they were looking at a, an expansion. At that time, we had uh, we had the concerns about lead laden dust um, and or contaminant laden dust and how that's being transported
0: uh, throughout the, uh, environment in, in the Hawk Inlet area. Okay. And then remind me of, cause I'm, I'm, I'm finding that I'm blanking right now. What are some of the primary uses for that Hawk Inlet area? Is it a big fishing area? I mean, obviously we're in Southeast and so commercial fishing is always going to be a, a very large industry. Is that one of those areas where that occurs quite frequently or is Hawk Inlet used for other reasons or is it just a sort of a national parks protected area?
1: Um, so, uh, Hawk Inlet is, um, an important subsistence area, um, uh, particularly for people from Angoon, but, uh, people also from, from Juneau, from Huna, uh, Tenke Springs, um, use that area, um, for, uh, you know, traditionally for, for gathering, um, everything from deer and, 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 uh, berries to clams, uh, mussels, cockles, um, those, uh, intertidal um you know food sources uh are have always been very important
0: okay so it is what i suspected in that it's it's a, a very important fishing area for a lot of folks
1: and and commercial fishing has a has a has a long history of fishing um there was a cannery that operated uh until i believe it burned in 1976 um and uh you know so as uh, there are a lot of people in uh, the Juno and, and Huna and Rangoon areas who who have uh, personal or family history of having worked in the in the, the cannery there. Um, so
0: yeah okay. And so another question I have is you said that you were saying that the they were at releasing the environmental impact statement maybe today. Do you know when the last time they released that impact statement would have been?
1: I believe the last environmental impact statement was uh, released in 2011. Um, and that was for an expansion, um, and they they were looking for 50 years, 30 to 50 years worth of expansion um, at that time. And uh, that was um, not selected as a preferred alternative uh, by the Tongass Forest Supervisor um, because of uh, the inability to answer some some questions about um, what the long-term impacts would be.
0: Okay, and then would you happen to know what those questions were, or do you not know those?
1: I have them at my fingertips, but I can't speak to them at this moment. Um, So uh, the uh, um, uh, concerns about... um, resolving the conflicts between the um uh <laughs> sorry um no no you're uh, fine i
0: understand that it's a, it's a very complex topic and that's why i want to make sure you have that time to think on it
1: yeah um i i don't i don't have the answer to that at this at this moment sorry i i uh
0: no um, that's that's fine. It's, it's perfectly understandable. I guess then another question I'd have is, there are there concerns beyond just that that fugitive dust? Are there concerns beyond that, or is that the primary concern?
1: Well, uh, the um, there's a, a real need to repeat the environmental baseline studies, the original studies that were done to take a look at what um, uh, existed and the conditions the, uh, of the marine environment as well as the terrestrial environment. And um, SEAC and Friends of friends of Admiralty Island have been calling for over a decade for those uh, original baseline studies to be repeated to understand how the mine has impacted the environment, what the uh, uh, source of, of contaminants in Hawk Inlet is, and how those are transported, and then how that can be um, prevented from happening in the future.
0: Okay, so it sounds like a, a huge part of it is there's that lack of, up-to-date sort of information for how the region is doing because we only have those old baseline studies. Am I understanding that correct?
1: Well, they do monitoring, but they haven't ever taken the effort to actually redo the original baseline studies, and that's what we've been calling for um, and continue to call for so that the impacts of the mine can be evaluated. One of the really critical considerations is that this is the only operating line on a national monument. In 1978, the, the, uh, President Carter declared the uh, Amalute Island National Monument. Um, Greens Creek was grandfathered into that. And uh, then in uh, the National Alaska National Interest Lands Conservation Act, um, that was also recognized. And Greens Creek was held to a higher standard of uh, not um, uh, being allowed, of actually being required to Demonstrate that they were not causing irreparable harm to the monument and the monument
0: values. Okay. I actually, I'll be entirely honest. I was actually aware Amuletia Island was considered a, a national monument, so that's definitely an interesting thing to add on to it. And that also, I would say, makes it an even more complex situation because you have to factor in that aspect of it as well as the environmental aspects. We're going to take a quick break, and then after that, we will continue our conversation with Aaron Brackel. You were listening to Action Line on KINY. Welcome back to Action Line on KNY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me still is Aaron Braggle from the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council. I almost just went C, and I'm like, that's not the correct title. Uh, During the break, we were getting ready to talk about a couple of things we could talk about, and I wanted to go into, you want to talk about mixing zones, so why don't we start there? Or the mixing zone. You know,
1: with the concern with environmental contaminants in Hawk Inlet, um one of the things that uh, can readily be taken care of uh is the the existence of uh a mixing zone, a zone where acute and chronic toxicity um, is allowed. So essentially they're uh they're they're dumping contaminated waste uh from the mine site through a, a pipe uh from their treatment facility. It does not meet Alaska water quality standards at the end of the pipe. Uh when the project was initially permitted in the original environmental impact statement the plan was to have the discharge out in lynn canal uh, and and not have it in hawking and currently that discharge in hawking was uh between i think it's about 50 and and 70 feet deep um, right out there uh, pretty close to the front of the mine um uh, site that discharge there's there's two issues with it one is um with the concerns about metals and contaminants in hawk inlet uh and the damage to the marine environment there uh that's related to the mine exploration and activities um one of the things that they need to do is stop adding metals loading toxicity into hawk inlet they need to move the point of discharge outside of hawk inlet um, And then, uh, secondarily, uh, to take care of... uh, They actually don't need to have a mixing zone uh, for that discharge. Um, EPA... And what the mixing zone is, it's got two sort of areas. A zone of acute toxicity and a zone of chronic toxicity. Acute toxicity means that anything that swims into it and spends time then and there is going to be harmed. Uh, And chronic is... If it spends time in there over time, it will be harmed. Um, You know, too toxicity could kill something. Uh, Instead of having a mixing zone and not meeting Alaska water quality standards at the end of the pipe, EPA allows for something called flow augmentation, which SEAC has been calling for for uh, over a decade now, um, which is a supplement and not a substance. To, to adequate treatment and that would allow for the addition of water upstream so that um, in the pipe the uh alaska water quality standards were met and instead of having this the zone so the two things give it out of hawk inlet um and uh stop having the mixing zone meet meet the water quality standards at the end of the pipe and and we're you know the The Forest Service uh, is the land owner, their land manager. They're responsible for the ultimate outcome uh, and oversight of the uh, permits that happen. Now, this would be a state uh, managed um, point source discharge permit, the um, APTIS uh, Aptis, um, permit it's called. And what we would like to see is uh, some improvement. Um, You know, it's interesting, Yesterday, I was listening to Mike Satry, who's the Director of Governmental Affairs for HECLA, um, who was speaking before the Alaska Senate Resources Committee, and he said, and I quote, we're not afraid of environmental standards getting higher as technology allows us to do that. That's just part of the process. One of the standards that can be improved is, you know, stop having a mixing zone and have that discharge outside of Hawk Inlet. So that's, that's not actually that difficult. A mining company has uh, tremendous capacity. I think yesterday Greens Creek re- received a significant, or uh, Hecla received a significant award for a new type of underground mining technology uh, at their Lucky Friday um, uh, project in Idaho. Um, this is a company which has tremendous capacity. And this is the richest silver body, uh, silver ore body in the United States. 30% of the silver produced in the United States comes from Greens Creek mine. So it's a very, it's a tremendously rich ore body. Um, and, uh, and, and we should see them, uh, take care of the fugitive dust. And take care of the problems of having a mixing zone and the location of that, that mixing zone. It's not complicated. It's not hard. They have the capacity. They have the engineers. They know how to build stuff. And they should just take it in hand and do it. Um, with regards to the fugitive dust concerns, one of the problems is they're not really properly measuring what's happening out there. I went before I started this job. I went to the uh, under the state's. Um, Land, uh, waste Management permit. They have an annual mine meeting, and I went to that meeting, and I was listening to the talk of fugitive dust, and they said they have two electronic monitoring stations on site, and I asked the question well, why do you only have two when of, of for for dust monitoring, and an answer was given that uh, they had a difficulty getting power out a source of power to power these monitoring sites. And my experience, I have a background in facilities management. Um, you know, I've done a sustainable facilities management professional certification through International Facilities Management Association and spent time as a professional facilities manager. And when I look at an operation that's technologically advanced with so much capacity, and I am told and I hear that they can't do more, not only Quantitative, but qualitative dust, fugitive dust monitoring than two stations. Um, I, I have a problem with that. And so I'd be calling on the mining company to have their surface operating plan, you know, much better, which, which, with far better. And so it, it's, 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 it's on the forest service. Uh, We're at the point of an environmental impact statement. So what we have in this situation is Heckler-Greens Creek is coming before the United States asking for years of additional operation of this tremendously profitable, very successful, incredibly rich mine site. And when they're coming asking for something, they should be asked to step up and, and, and solve some of the problems that are at that mine site and identify the sources and, and pathways of the contaminants that have been found in Hawk Inlet, they need to redo those baseline environmental studies. They need to step forward and say, yes, this is the right thing to do. And the question, you know, they're required. They're not allowed to, uh, to do irreparable harm to the area. By congressional law, by the fundamental Anilka law that, that underpins so much of Alaska's um, relationship with the federal government and the land, they're not allowed to cause irreparable harm. So my question, how do you repair? How do you repair the harm caused by fugitive lead-laden contaminated metals contaminated dust blowing off of the mine site? How do you repair that?
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a very solid question. You've raised a lot of very interesting points about it. And I can hear that you're very impassioned about it because it's – I can tell it sounds like you have a lot of – you have a lot of stake and influence and, like, concern about it. And so it's good to hear that. So I was going to say we have a little bit more time here, so I wanted to offer you a chance to offer any closing comment here.
1: Um, yeah, well, we're we're really looking forward to seeing what uh, the Forest Service releases in their draft supplemental environmental impact statement, And we really encourage the public to take a hard look at it. And, you know, I, I, I ask people, um, whether you're a minor or or you're uh, part of local government, an assembly person, or ordinary person on the street, somebody like myself who grew up in Juneau, um, when you... See, I'd, I'd ask you to think about this. When you see a northerly, when it's clear weather and there are white caps on the water, that's when the problems are happening. It's dry, and that's when you look at the gas in the channel, sometimes you'll see, you know, salt spray sweeping up, you know, 400 feet in the air on these taku winds. I live in Douglas. We, it blows straight at us down, you know, straight across the channel at us. There's a north-south direction of, of, of Lane, And the wind blowing down Lake land canal, North Stevens Passage, funnels through, and it blows on that tailings pile. And so when you see white caps in clear air, you know, take a minute to think about lead-laden dust blowing off of the tailings pile in Greens Creek as a problem. And it's a problem of our community. In general, we expanded our borough in order to capture the property tax from Greens Creek Mine, and so we ask for this problem to be part of our problem, our responsibility. So we should push for uh, the issue of fugitive dust to be resolved, uh, to, to the um, for the uh, contaminants to Hawk Inlet to be uh, understood, to be for the baseline studies, the original critically important. Why do they do baseline studies in environmental projects in mining projects? It's so, that pre-project data can be available for comparison during project op- operation and reclamation. And they need to get out there and redo those environmental baseline studies to understand the changes to the environment, how that's happened, and how preventative measures can be taken to reduce the negative impacts to Hawk Inlet and the monument values, and, and the national forest land all around there. So, thank you very much. And I want to take a minute. Um, I didn't get a chance to. Um, well, I was going to uh, say
0: I don't. I don't think we're going to have the, the the time. I think we're okay. we're just about up. But I do want to thank you for for coming on and having that chance to talk. And I mean, Siak is a regular guest, so you never know. You may end up coming back on. Thank you
1: so much, man I appreciate it. We
0: appreciate it. All right. This has been Action Line on KNY.